simple. Okay, so uh, podcast number nine, technically, I think, or eight, or it could be 11. Who knows? But we're going through the Mercur, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit. We've got Brian here who's building a Mustang for lemons, and with the Mustang being built for lemons, we wanted to go over some of the do's and don'ts. And because we had the Mercur here finished, it made sense just to go over the Mercur and let him see what, why, and how we do some of the things that we do. So you'll also hear Lance um, talking some as well. And we'll try and keep it down to where we don't have like six people talking at once, but it's difficult at times. So it'll be okay. Okay, now you can come talk. He's like, no, I'm done. I'm not talking at all. I'm welding now. Yeah, I'm welding now. No, no, I'm just making... Because I'm going to get pizza from like the, the cheap place and stuff my face with that real quick. So go ahead. Seriously, Lance, come over. You want to move it over here? Nah, we'll do it right here. What? I'm over. Walk them through it. Get out of the way. Fix the shit in the corner back there. All right. Anyway, so this is your lemons cage we just did for this car and when that is not finished i'm waiting on a steering wheel so i can finish that part before i get that in my way and i'm climbing over it and dealing with it the seat is on a slider it's got a seat back brace from what i understand this is what you guys are going to need mm-hmm. so you can look that over and see how that operates and of course this car had holes in the floor for what reasons i don't know but anyway so we had to put plates over that stuff so the the mercur they removed all the sound deadening the sound deadening that ran up the firewall had what quarter inch by two inch vents, probably 40 of them in each row. Everybody see that plate with the gray on it was holes straight through the ground. Had no understanding why that was there. And it's even back here. It was covered with sound deadening, right? So there was nothing coming into the car, but why? Maybe they wanted to make it lighter. Yeah, I had no idea, but putting the sound deadening on top of it made zero sense to me. We'll um, go over the operation and the winning that in a little bit, but I'll just get it out of the way now so you can look so, a little bit closer at some of the stuff in there. Something I'll add is on roll cages, where they land is probably the most critical part of the roll cage in my mind. Especially on everything we run nowadays is all unibody. So how it ties into the unibody, how it ties into the rocker panel basically, is your key point. We see on ours we use a lot of six by, six inch wide, eighth inch plate. And we'll flat fab that in where we need to, then we use three inch, four inch to come up on the sides. So anywhere you see a plate, you're gonna have one plane, then you're gonna have another plane that's gonna be 90 degrees. Sometimes we'll have another one facing the back of it, depending on where we think the cage is gonna be deflected to. That's what provides us the surface to weld on. Your rules say four inch by four inch base. 16 inches, not enough. You won't find one in here less than 36 square inches. It's just, it's part of, when it leaves here, it A, you've got to go to work on Monday, okay, is the first priority. B, our name goes on it. If something bad happens, then everybody's all upset. Yes, it's racing. Yes, there's no liability. But in reality, it's our name. And our name means a lot to us. So a couple things on this car, too, while we're here. Often we'll run NASCAR bars all the way out to the edge of the door. It makes it easier to get in and out of the car 99% of the time. One of the things that you do lose when you do the NASCAR bars, you usually lose the ability to even put a window back in. You can sometimes make it where you can hang it and still keep it where you can store it outside. But you have to think, if you have all the safety equipment inside the car, you're storing it outside with no windows, not a good plan. This stuff's gonna bake and go away in absolutely zero time. This car made a choice of not doing the actual NASCAR bars. So it runs out to the very edge of the door skin, but allows us to put a window in and then we use uh, little rubber door stops from Home Depot. Slide them on the backside, hold the windows up, keeps all the water out, good to go. It's a good idea. Hmm. And so you'll see also, in, and we don't have a disconnect in this car, there's no engine, no train machine, anything in there, but that's where the disconnect, so you have, we're gonna have one disconnect that everybody can reach. Mm-hmm. People right. outside, people inside, and of course the fire pool for the outside people and, and the systems that we typically install have two, two pools. Uh, one for the driver specifically, one for any corner workers. And a couple of rules on that too is you're, and you're welcome to this little cheesy pizza if you want. But the other thing I'll say about this, the rules state that you have to be able to reach master kill 
and fire as a driver. Mm-hmm. Outside the car also needs access. Often you'll see people put them on the harness bars, closer to the center of the dash, well you can still reach it from outside. We try and put them outside where they're clearly visible. It's what the red stripe is here. It'll get the black lightning bolt on it. A corner worker running up should be able to see red and identify exactly where it's at. On a red car, we'll actually make like a two inch white barrier so it actually designates the spot to go to. These are actually put to where you can actually access both fire pulls from the seat and you can hit your master here. Going up is where the fun stuff happens. Mm-hmm. You can lean in and look. So, roof bars also offset three inches, four inches. Uh, on this one, I don't really remember. I want to just say just on the other side of center line. So basically you offset that top center bar just a little bit and it gives you a clearance of just not knocking your head on the helmet getting in and out of the car. If you get in the car without your helmet on, it gives you a little room to help put your helmet on. Mm -hmm. It's still close enough to center, nobody ever says anything. Um, You can open that door over there too just so you can see more. Um, Every 90 of course gets a gusset. That's become the new standards in lemons just to cover the fact that some welders are very bad, and it's very easy to put a gusset in there and add the strength and they'll let stuff slide. Gotcha. They don't always plan for bends and where welds are gonna happen, so they can't always get to the backside, or they're not going to cut a hole in the roof or pull a windshield to get to it. So they'll put a gusset in there and they'll call it good. Not best practice, something that happens. You wanna go over the handful? Oh yeah, well here I'm, I'm just gonna get in and out of the car just to show you, just to yeah. show you the operation for getting in and out. We've got we put DTMs in the car. This one only has one and on the front of the windshield on this side, and that's what helps you get in and out. So your DTM is actually a German race car series, but they're the ones that came up with this style of gusset. Okay, so it basically replaces that, but it spreads your load six inches down. So what we do is we use that same style of gusset here, but it's a one inch bar. So now you've got something to reach up there and grab, help pull yourself up out of the car. I would need that. Yeah, it's um, amazing though. It helps a lot. Here's your get out. Makes yeah. it easy. And sit on it. One leg out. Second leg. Stand up. So, um, we so without even trying, three seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, here's. Dragon with me. Well, hold on one second. This is also the other hard part. He's in there moving the car. What you don't notice is the amount of movement that's in the seat back brace because mm-hmm. it's lined up with the angle of the seat slider. And then you've got the harnesses that are moving as well. So there's a lot going on when at the same seat. time when you're going in and out. Yeah, so you can see now you can see the seat back brace there. But this is where I would drive this car most likely. So I was I had a little easier time getting in and out because the way it was. But I still have enough room to get out. You and I can't get in like that. No. Just saying, it's not gonna happen. But so yeah, that's that's where I would probably drive it. For, and their driver, their smallest is my size, I believe. Yep. yep. And their tallest is taller than him. Oh, so they've got the same problem. Same situation. Yeah. Same situation. Same exact problem. Now, bring up one more point on placement of the fire pole for the interior of the car. We always set it near e-brake and shifter. There he is, and when the car's on fire, the first thing you're gonna do is be stopping to get out of the end car. I want the pull as close to the shifter, as close to the e-brake as possible. As soon as the e-brake's set, reach down, pull the pin, get out of the car. Um, my real rule is, first of all, if it's a significant fire, just get away from the car. You're in an event where there's gonna be people fighting the fire for you, people that can actually come put the fire out that are way more skilled at it than you are, let them put the fire out. Do not try and do it yourself. These systems, if you've never seen one go off, you should go to um, Pegasus Racing has a link to the video online. Um, but you can also go to YouTube and just type in, um, was it Safety Sense, Life Sense, Fire Sense um, on YouTube. They'll show you a video of it. It's like a two-year-old pissing on an electric fence. I mean, it's just, there's not, there's not much that comes out. It's AFF, don't get me wrong, so it works different than water. But the quantity of what comes out is pretty disappointing. And when you see one go off and you think that's what you're relying on in the case of a fire, get away first. You've got a pull that you can get outside the car. Worry about getting yourself out. Small fire, pull it while you're in the car. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So I saw a video of when they used to allow just having extinguishers yeah. and guys <laughs> not having it secured, the pen gets knocked loose and it just goes off in the car. Yep. Which sounds amazing. We've had that happen huh. in ambulances. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> we had a guy fly over some railroad techs when I was in San Antonio and it was one of those big hoopties. Launch. And he never slowed down. He went off that. He, you picture a one ton of Conalite going yeah, airborne. He did. When he came down, two fire extinguishers rocked in the back wow. and just unloaded that yellowish, nasty. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Hey, That's awesome. Whatever it is. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. What do you think about... Uh, on all these unibody cars putting in uh, subframe connectors? Depending on the power that you're making, it can be beneficial. You will be faster tightening the nut behind the wheel than you will working on subframe connectors. Okay. So, we are taking to heart the whole, your, the goal should be to finish. Mm -hmm. It should be it. Like, you're not gonna win, we're not gonna pass anybody, well, we might pass someone on yep. day two. You will be passing more people than you can imagine. You think? You may think that you're slow. I've been in a vehicle that was running two tens at MSR, and I guarantee you, passing one to two cars a lot. There will always be somebody slower than you. Okay. At some point in time. This little Mustang yes. runs pretty good right now. I mean, for an old car. Both V8s, V6s. What do we got? V6. V6. Both okay. V6s. So just like what ours was. Same as ours. Yeah, but they're reliable. Yeah, that's what we're counting. Yeah. So I had a question about all the. the did he talk to you about thing. the brake secret? Hold on. Did he? Did you tell him about the brake secret on the Mustang? No, I didn't. But you know, I did a thorough research into what brakes uh -huh. have. Callahan brake parts. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so that means that it's unintelligible Chinese. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're brand new. Okay. Built <laughs> and slotted rotors. So we can have a whole podcast about that too. Okay. In road racing not what you really need. Mm -hmm. um, these cars, you're not going to be generating and keeping enough heat. Honestly, by going with a solid rotor, it takes longer to heat that up than it does one of the others vented and slotted. Vents are great. Drilled and slotted, not so much of a good deal. Um, we usually go to Napa and they sell their good, better, best is what mm -hmm. we call it. Mm -hmm. Get their best. It's the Black Series, I think what they call it still. And uh, they're thick and they're vented. Plenty for lemons. You're you're not Le Mans, you're not 200 mile an hour slowing down to 60, you're 60 slowing down to 30. Um, yeah. You know, max 100 on the back stretch, max 100 on the back stretch. In that V6, you'll be 96, 95 mile an hour on your best lap, slowing down to 35 for the corner. The stuff you need is not, not of that level. Okay. Um, fresh wood, stainless lines, absolutely. Um, Got to do that. Um, and then so you're talking about the rubber or the mm -hmm. whole setup? Rubber lines need to go away. Stainless lines. Yes, yeah. stainless. Absolutely. Stainless. And that's free because it's considered safety and it improves the braking of the car. Right. Braking of the car is the best thing the car does to take advantage of what it does best. Mm -hmm. We've been pretty much keeping to what was originally there or uh, an OE replacement. You know? Right. Which is logical and is great for traveling to a bunch of races. But if you get a rubber brake line, as the heat builds in the line, it softens the rubber. You'll be putting more pressure on those brake lines than they've ever experienced, and you'll get a balloon. Is what will happen. That'll get spongy. Often people think that the brakes have gotten hot and they boil the wood. Very often it'll just be a rubber line that just swells under braking. And the worst part about that is often it'll only be one corner, and then that one corner is not getting braking. It's like, well, all of a sudden my handling is a little weird. It, there's many variables. Putting a set of stainless lines, like for our Miatas, they're 100 bucks for a set of stainless lines. It's cheap money, and you need to drain all the fluid anyway. Do a complete flush. It's just done. Simple and easy. All right. What um, about the sound deadening stuff at the bottom? We haven't taken ours out yet. So sound deadening, do we need to? I mean, it's just it's really you. You there. don't need to. Um, people say it's easy way to remove over beer. Um, for the roll cage, it has to be removed in any area that we're going to be welding in. When we go to weld it, it will melt it and become the stickiest, gooeyest mess you can imagine. Okay. So, what we would do is ID the spots where the cage is going to be in, near where the cage is going to be, pull it back 12, 16 inches. And it's just goofy crap. Well, depending on which kind you've got, hop on YouTube. But the best way that I've seen is the dry ice and water. You put dry ice on there, you put some water on it, basically it all freezes and 
start tapping up the hammer and right out. Yeah, chips out. Yeah. Just sheets. You sheets might find it. you, if you want the car to be quiet, you might find you want to keep it. Yeah. Take the weight, whatever weight penalty you have because of it. <laughs> and all the weight's down low, too, yeah. so you're taking that weight that's low. You're actually raising your roll center of gravity by taking it out. Another way to look at it. More than one weight's going to cap. Um, you will find, if you don't have a communication device, you will find you want earplugs. Yeah. Mm. Well, we're going to have radios. So this car, Sparco slider, Ultra Shield seat, floor was notched. So you can see how it's got this little cross brace that runs across there. Mm-hmm. Cross brace was notched, plated back in. That allowed us to get the brake in the seat so that as you come forward, you actually raise in height. As you go back, you actually lower in height. So that it kind of keeps everybody's eye level the same. Also helps with the steering wheel not being a tilt wheel. Um, Ultra Shield seat, Ultra Shield belts, IO port, um, seat back brace. We run their brace, their adjustable one, because it allows you to drill the holes. With the Sparco seat, you can only drill one hole for probably every three clicks because there's, the clicks are so small in the Sparco versus how large the, the pin is that goes into that hole. So what we usually do is put the shortest guy in, put the tallest guy, sharpie everybody's holes, slide all the, forward, all the way forward, make sure none of the holes are too close that you don't have metal to support mm-hmm. the brace itself. And then you drill your holes out, everybody gets their marked holes, write everybody's names on it. When you're actually sliding the seat, you can see who's yeah. next getting in and you're ready to go. Good idea. The one thing that most people miss is this piece right here, which is your Woodward Fab steering hub. That one's an expensive one, hundred and ninety-nine bucks. Yeah, but you can take it off with one hand without thinking about it. So many of them take two hands, both hands behind the wheel. It limits what this hand can be doing. If I can take it off with one hand, I can use the other hand. So Woodward is what you look for? Yeah, that that's, one is one of the we slickest that, that we found. Because, I mean, the, the difference in the steering column shaft mm-hmm. is different than the Mustang. Mustang's small. Everything gets welded up. Yeah. So basically, you just take your sleeve, use the nut that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's just the adapter. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Weld their nut in, put it all the way in. Once we screw it to the depth we want, then we come in and plug weld that. It's not coming off. And you'll be able to on the back, back as okay. well. It's never coming off. Um, so we order all of this stuff through Bartley Motorsports um, and have for, I guess, four years now, three years. Um, Ultra Shield, we were up there a week ago, took a tour of their plant. Um, 18 Texas workers, you know, working there. It's super cool. Um, they've got seamstresses that do all their um, window nets, seat belts, seat cushions. Of course, they've got all the fabricators doing the aluminum seats as well, but they need to buy stuff from Texas. The steering wheel's not here yet. We use a guy out of McAllen, um, a company called Superior Steering Wheels. Uh, we got Scott, no, Scott doesn't have it. Mine, actually, Jeff's, grab Jeff's if you would. Drift 2K, um, S2000 is actually in the house today, so we'll grab his Superior Steering Wheel. He's got a little 13 inch with a three inch dish, which is what I run on my car. This car will be running a 14 inch dish instead of the 15 and a half. So this is what NRG hubs look like, but that's the steering wheel that we use. Well, he's modified the NRG yeah. hub too. So it's solid aluminum. You can push the car with it. I mean, put your hand out and push the car with it. Most steering wheels can't do that. And that's what I use to show the strength of the wheel. Um, that's what we swap in yeah. those people's cars. It's, it's a lemons car. It'd be okay. Yeah. <laughs> be okay. <laughs> what you don't know how heavy that thing is compared to this. Yeah. The weight difference is astounding. The steering wheel doesn't weigh anything. If the steering wheel weighs a pound, I'd be shocked. <laughs> well, we compared mine to Bob Bartley, the guy who runs Bartley Motorsports. My wheel, this adapter, um, and the spare wheel. My steering wheel setup was 5.4 pounds lighter than his. Steering wheel. Steering wheel difference. I would have thought maybe a pound or so. Here's the thing, when you, when you get time, hop on Google yeah. and go to Apex Oset. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my Exomotive version of what I built. Um, Miata, 
um, roll cage, LS6, T56 trans, 8.8. Well, it looks like a Miata. There's not much Miata left. Okay. Um, Okay. (laughs) It's over in storage. I tell you, oh, let's go look at it. Um, That's why Google's usually the easiest way to look at it. Um, Now we're actually upgrading to LS3. Um, And we got a Jericho two-speed going in the car. So it's going to be even more stupid than it was before. And it'll actually be my first carbon fiber drive shaft I've ever had, too. That so, would be interesting. Yeah. It's just so amazing that they can make stuff that record, everybody thought was had to be so battleship and they make it out of carbon yeah. fiber. Yeah, well, carbon fiber tube. I mean, it's just a tube and it's epoxy. And it's yeah. like, how's that strong enough? Oh, it is. It works. Um, it's got to be lighter. Open up the back hatch and I'll show you something else that is often missed on race cars in general. And you can only see it from the back is look straight through it where the steering column is mm-hmm. to where the actual center of the seat is. Okay. So when we're racing, we try and move as far to the right as possible so that if I get T-boned by some big minivan or somebody's Jeep Cherokee truck that's out there, when I'm in a smaller car, I don't want to worry about them driving into me. Yes, I've got the cage. Yes, I've got the side structure of the car. But the more distance between me and whatever's hitting me, the better off I feel. Well, in the process, we move that seat over about two inches. So now the steering shaft is actually a little bit off. Mm-hmm. So what we do now is we'll actually take the two bolts out of the steering shaft, move it over to weld a plate onto the dash bar, bolt it up so now you're centered on the no. wheel where you should be. You'll notice in most modern cars when you hop into them, if you start paying attention, you're never centered on the steering wheel. Little things that make a huge difference. These are the rear plates. I thought it was just me being crazy. No, nope, you're not crazy. So, <laughs> I always looked at that and I said, this isn't right. Yeah, why is it not straight? So plates on the rear, but this is the actual plate on the side I was talking about. You've seen, we've seen welds break in cars before and then punch through sides. So anytime I've got something I can put a plate up against, just put a plate up against it. It's simple and easy. It makes a difference. Um, the seat belts that are hanging over, those won't be like that when you actually get to the race. Um, they'll fail you to tech for this. So all you do is you take these and roll them up tightly. And then you run a zip tie through here. Zip tie, cut it. I thought they had some nice sort of tiny. rule where they wanted like four inches of extra material or whatever. But through, it, through it, you've got to have four inches hanging out. And that's just because of how it's laced. Um, I've never seen them measure it, show up with your belts laced correctly. Nobody has a problem with it. Gotcha. It can be through a quarter of an inch and it's sufficient. There's no, there's no written rule on a length. I think that rule was actually written because of all the eBay stuff that people are selling that says SFI and FIA stamped, mm-hmm. and it's not. That's where most of that stuff comes from. Damn Chinese. Hey, it's out there. We've had guys show up here with a $29 set of belts they bought on eBay, and it's like, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's why I tell people, before you buy anything, let's talk, because I've got one person that can send you an email, have everything you need on it. It's literally one credit card charge, and you're done, um, versus going out there and trying to find all the shit yourself. You'll just spend time and money doing it. Yep. And it's stuff that we know well, works. And the, you know? The, the time and the money guy is me. Unfortunately, I'm the guy that knows the least about any of this. Well, so, it's really lemons. Good. So yeah. that's one of the things you can credit lemons with. You can, First, you, then you would credit Chump Car, which is now Champ Car. Then you would credit WRL of taking a sport that was, let's say, reserved for the rich. Oh, play, gosh, I mean, yeah. it, You had to have money to play this game. And they brought it to a level where everybody can get out there and play and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of political drama about using those three names of three series together because there's a lot of hatred between each one of them. The reality is Lemons was first on the scene. I'll give them credit with the crap can racing. Um, it's been amazing to see people come into it who knew nothing mm-hmm. and in three years have their own race team with race car trailer and they're running three or four cars and they're having the time of their life. And that's what it's about. If you can't have fun doing it, why do it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've made it simple. They've made it very, very simple. And you don't and have to have that perfect car. No, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to run and get out there. There'll be people to play with. Mm-hmm. Go around and around in a circle. Uh-huh. Uh, you know? Just That's so much a circle. Just so you're going to get in trouble. Thank yeah, exactly. you. Yeah, see? We can be friends. He's offended somebody. He offended somebody. Welcome to racing. You're offending people. Hey, all right. I'm a rookie. Um, the other one that I'll point out, too, is the Mustangs. Do you guys have a sunroof? One of them does. Okay, so this is a requirement too. Yeah. Sunroof's got to be closed the, off. The primary that we've so. got ready to go right now is not the sunroof. Okay, that's so. good. Well, it's just one of those things to keep in mind. Just a large aluminum panel. Take the time, put it on the English wheel, put a couple curves in it, rivet it down, call it good. 
Um, sometimes they bounce a lot, make a bunch of noise. We always tell Oil people. Oil can alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That one's going to be noisy for sure. So what you do is you take the thicker, cheaper roll, roll cage padding mm-hmm. and shove it between it on that top bar to actually hold it up. And you might even find your roof has a problem that you don't that you never oh, do. Okay, questions, comments, thoughts. You have a list of questions you I, got here? I don't have a list. I just have millions of questions. Okay, well, let's go. They're, let's they're grab not a organized. We don't have to be organized. And we talk window net, too. I'll take one of those as well. One. Yeah. Beer, 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 beer. Yes. I'm good. I'm good right now. You're good. Well, yeah. I don't need a beer. Good is, yeah. Relative? Yeah. Uh, not what I meant. I'll steal this one. You can get in trouble. Better me than anybody else. You gonna build this original or gonna build the race out of this one? We're doing original Pan Am with that one. So La Carrera, Panamericana. Familiar with that? Okay, so La Carrera. So La Carrera, this is the first time I've had this beer. So you're not responsible for the taste. I say, you took the first sip, and like, ah, oh, it's the first time I've drank beer. I was like, uh-oh, this is going to be bad. This is the first time I've ever had beer. I yeah. grew up in Utah. Okay, there you go. There you go. Uh, okay. We saw some of your friends the other day. So, La Carrera was a road race that was put on in Mexico um, when they finished their interstate system. In uh, 1948, they ran a race from Guadalajara to Laredo. Uh, covered like 3,400 miles in seven days. Next year, they increased the prize money. The prize for winning that one race over seven days was more than F1 and then the starting NASCAR and the Baja 1000 at the same time. The prize money was astounding. Everybody who was anybody in racing from off-road to on-road to F1 drivers were all there. Fast forward to 1954, they had killed 12 drivers that one year and basically it lost all of its fanfare and so you're killing too many people and the race went away. Um, 1987, 88, it came back as a tribute race, um, but because Mexico is organized enough and just disorganized enough legally, we're able to hold the races still on the original roads. Um, some of them go back on mountain roads, which are great and they're amazing. There are sections you drive on the original asphalt from 1948 still, because um, they're just on a rock base, so it's never changed. Um, it doesn't freeze, it's just there. Um, so since 1988 to now, they have, uh, the series has evolved. There are six classes that are considered historic. This one being the top historic class, V8, original Pan Am. So all the suspension points need to be original. Um, it's kingpin. You're not allowed to change rack and pinion. Um, you can upgrade brakes. Uh, because the Studebaker motors are hard to find, they allow a 302, so we're putting a Ford 302 in it. Rear end, put a cage, and go race. And around those mountain roads, it will be some of the most hair-raising racing that I've done. I did it in 2016 in a Nova. Uh, my co-driver, their Nova door is there. The hood's over in the other shop. Wadded the car up on day six. Uh, I got to drive two days. Absolutely amazing race. And can't wait to go back and do it in the historic form of what the fastest cars in the day were that somebody like me could afford. There were Ferraris there, there were Porsches there, um, but the normal guy can't afford those. Those are the ones that bring the most money at Meekum and Barrett Jackson now are cars that were of that era that ran that race. So to go back and be able to do that and have that kind of a connection with the sport, pretty cool, pretty historic, gearing for the car to be ready 2020. Um, so we've got less than a year, well, actually just over year, October, yeah, just over year. sets up a year. So we've got like 14 months left. A lot left, but it's interesting how quickly some of it falls together. So let's go back to lemons, because I could talk about that for a week. Um, I thought I was, when I saw it, I mean, I immediately said Hawk, and he yep. reminded me that Hawks had come to Spino later. <laughs> didn't they uh, put, uh, they put packs and superchargers yeah. in these things, didn't they? In 56, if I remember right, I don't know. Yeah, it was I think 56 was the first year. But that's what, because I, I told you, that was my, the Golden Hawk was my dream car for a long time. That was a 57, wasn't it? Silver Hawk and Golden Hawk, just a Hawk. For 
class that we're in, it stops at 54 specifically, because that was the last year of the race. Okay. Um, the plan is to move this car up to what's Turismo Mayor, which basically says the gloves are off, build whatever you want, as long as it looks like a Studebaker, go race. Wow. These guys are running, let's just call it a NASCAR, road race NASCAR with the Studebaker bodies, but they're running down there. It is amazing. Um, there's a guy that runs 54 olds, he's been clocked at 186 in race stages. Yeah, imagine doing that in 54 olds wheel. It's not stock, it's got over 40 hours of wind tunnel time on it too. I mean, it's on an Oldsmobile, crazy. These people have attention to detail and financial backing that is astounding, astounding. Very, very blessed lives. And uh, we get to play with them, we get to have a good time, and every once in a while we build a car for them. It's, uh, it's entertaining, very entertaining. So, we like the Studebakers, long and low. Okay, so moments questions. Go. Well, oh got? gosh. A. The so tech inspection pretty much straightforward. Agreed. Um, they've made it much easier now. Okay. Because now you've got the how not to fail tech. Yes, and I have that. So but you're already solving that problem. Yeah, so I can solve a lot of that problem. What I will say though is when you get to tech, and this goes to everybody who's listening to this podcast, Lemons, WRL, Chomp, or Champ, sorry, the, I still can't believe they were able to buy the name. That's just amazing to me, that Chomp bought Champ Racing. But that is, yeah, that's crazy. Well, Champ car went away. Yeah, so they bought it up, bought the name, made some money. Um, the more you know when you show up to tech, the easier it is to get through. When they ask you what size roll cage it is and you look at them with this deer and headlights, they automatically start going, whoa, 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 why don't you know? You're getting ready to risk your life in this. You should know what roll cage material was used. A. B, if you go with a quality roll cage, you're going to know you had it built by somebody. Always throw out the shop name that you use. I can say that for Apex, we've not had one ever fail tech. We've saved countless cars from going through, and I would say countless is over two dozen, that have failed tech that we fix on site. We've had one that we brought here to this shop where we're sitting now, and we spent the next 19 hours cutting a cage out and built another cage and got him back on track the next morning. Um, amazing feat, don't know how we did it. I went to sleep for like two hours at one point, came back out, everybody that was in the shop was passed smooth out, one guy laying over the rear package tray in the car that had been welding, and just completely whooped. Um, but it was one of those drama stories. But the more you know about it when you show up, the better. I would say that the how not to fail tech sheet, everybody on the team should at least have one of those that they've read through and they understand what it is and why. Uh, because they will ask questions of whoever's there. I would also advise, if you've got somebody that's not that sharp, not that bright, or likes to talk too much, because too much talk on them. can screw things up as well, too much talk can be difficult. Go ahead and make sure that the exactly you you go over here because technical inspection is technical. Okay, they're there for a purpose. Yeah, they're gonna smile, they're gonna laugh, and have a good time, but they're doing a job. Okay, and you don't need somebody who's just controversial. I guess I don't want to do it because of this or I don't like that. Just get through tech, comply with it. It's easy. It's not difficult. But you'll see people to do it. But the how not to fail tech, I would have it printed out. I would have it there for all my guys to read through. Sign at the bottom. Look, you understand why we're doing this, how we're doing it. I also suggest to people that everybody knows how to adjust the belts from the back. Come in to call you. you know, what is she doing? Is she making phone signals? That was Ken. She walked away. Um, how to lace belts. How the belts actually operate. One thing I'll, I'll throw out now is the cam locks on your belts. Left or right, they unlock. People always get all upset about this open left or right. They think it only opens one way, it opens both ways. And then when you get the one that actually has the tab on it, you can actually pull up on the tab and it'll completely release it as well. So you actually have three means of getting out of most harnesses like that, so you don't have to wear the belt cutters. Um, yeah, you know all about those. And then the, uh, the sliders, so like the slider in that one is not painted red yet, but the bar where we actually pull up to slide the seat back, that's another thing that I make red. Um, granted, with the seat pin in, you can't move it until the pin's actually out. But most safety crews actually know about that pin to pull that, and they can slide the seat back to get people out. In case you never know, you never know. You get your bell wrong. 
they'll let you put whoever you want off the team into the card, but usually you won't have somebody in the card. And they'll go, who's your team? You'll point to them, they go, you get in the card. This is gonna sound very cheaty, okay? It's not cheaty. Make sure that as that's happening, you're not at the front of the line. Because you don't want to be crawling out of the window flopping on the ground like a fish. Because now usually they'll just say you got 15 seconds to get out of the car. Sometimes they'll hold the door shut and go, okay, now get out. Um, I'll also throw another tip out. If they do that to you, never come out the driver's side window. It is so much easier to go to passenger side. Because you can lean over, you've got space, and pull yourself out. Going out the driver's window is difficult because it's so oh, yeah. close just to try and bend up. Go to the passenger side, right out. Simple, very, very easy. Yes, because you've got to have over 180 tread wear. Or is it 200 now? I remember. It's 190. Uh, 190. Yeah. So you can't call the SCCA 180s out. So used tires, new tires. Brand new tires. Oh, you shut it off. No, oh, but I'll fix it. Okay. I think it's something with the actual board. Um, new tires. The other way I do it is um, lots of people want to bring extra sets. I say set square on your tires so that you can move them front to rear. On day one, I'll have four new tires, or if we practice on Friday, they'll be scrubbed in, or I've got a chance to do a track day, they might be scrubbed in, or even an autocross or skin pad. Use those four tires, and then I have two new ones as spares. End of day one, since you're in a Mustang, I would likely take the rears off and put new rears on and then move the rears to the front because you're going to wear the fronts out more than you will the rears. And then basically those become your spares the following night then you rotate them again. That way you stay on good tires. And then the other tip on tires is whatever your weight of the car is, let's just say it's 3,100 pounds, drop the two zeros, that should be your starting tire pressure. And then you're going to gain two to three PSI based on temperature of the car running on track. So that puts you at 33, yeah, that, that little bit. It'll be November, so it's going to be cool. You know. And we'll be out there. We're bringing the, uh, most likely the FD out. So, FD rotary turbo. Make cool noises. It'll be fun. And if it's not that, then it'll be a rotary powered truck. Just two rotor, really slow. You'll be passing us every lap. <laughs> Maybe. No, I don't. If it's you, I'll try and push you off. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. A guy.
not wise I either. I haven't really, really looked at it. They don't feel great, but they feel okay. I feel suspension is still safe because, especially on a Mustang, it gets kind of really slippery. You just keep the crowd away, you're fine. Trophy situation. My first thing is if I had a good time, it was worth it. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. that's, that's 
sketchy people standing around together. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a bunch of that too. Spend a lot of money on stuff that's worthless. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and probably drink too much and all the other. No. Have you done Renfest in Kansas City? No.
one here to show you, but so they have these things called Mac ducts that we use to direct air and pick air up off the floor and the sides. On our Isuzu Impulse, we put one in the door, at the front of the driver's door, and had two NACA ducts. At like 45 mile an hour, it was just, I mean, a gust of air coming through the door. Of course, three hours in the race, it starts raining, and it's just pouring water in. To give you a clue as how effective it might be, my 99 model NASCAR has the same thing on it right up there where the mirror would have been. And so it pulls air in. So look at a NACA duct. Again, there's a way to make like a looper or something, and they're like, oh, range. NACA duct. So the NACA duct, cheap enough, just you put a tennis ball in it, or you take a spray paint can lid on the backside, put a little duct tape around it, and you're done. So Simple. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we pulled in. I, I say we got wet. It, I ran probably eight laps in the rain. Once everybody else started going off, then we came in, put the caps on, and went back out. It was a front wheel drive car. Easy to drive rain.
car barricade somewhere. They'll right. sort themselves out quickly. I thought Mario Andretti's were like in some like really big race where they're making millions of dollars a year. Yeah, they show they, they're, they're not really at limits. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing that I had a legend car that was running SCCA at one point, and I had a world challenge driver drive across the left front of the tire. And I had spent, I'm not going to go the whole story, but I spent seven laps trying to get around this guy. Basically, I had more power on the straightaways. I had more speed in the corners, but couldn't outrun him. Finally made my move when he made a mistake, got past him. Well, the next corner, he just comes in deeper and used me as the brake stop and drove over me. And the steward of the event, which is a great friend and mentor of mine, James Rogerson, comes over and, of course, because I park near him, get towed back in, and he's like, what the fuck did you do? And going over, and he's like, well... Was it, was it the last corner? Was it the last lap of the race? No. Was it the last corner of the race? No. Why the fuck did you pass him? You know he's faster on a straightaways and you only had a little bit of a get by, you knew you were gonna get in front of him, but you didn't have enough to defend through the next corner? Just wait. Have the patience to wait. Let him make a bigger mistake. He made a mistake. It wasn't a big enough mistake that I could completely run away from. Straightaway, only got a partial straightaway. Here he comes with 340 horse versus my 85 horse. <laughs> he got you, you know. And he got me and he showed me because it literally just scratched the paint on his car. He was able to finish. Yeah, yeah I'll catch up to you. I promise. Um, so, mechanically, talk to me about the car a little bit. What, what V6, new plugs, new wires. Yeah. I mean, and it just purrs like a kitten now.